You want me to do it in an E40 voice? <laughs> yeah, try it in an E40 voice. This week on Wheel Bite Podcast, we will be discussing the legendary spot Hubba Hideout. We cover the timeline of Hubba, the important role it played in pushing skateboarding forward. This was a fun one for us, just going through all the gnarly shit that went down there. If we left anything out, one of your favorite tricks, clips, whatever it may be, or even if you have a memory from Hubba, you had to dodge a a knife poke from that crazy lady that pulled out the ice pick in FTC, hit us up at Wheel Bite Podcast and enjoy the episode. Yee. I feel like I feel like it's dangling by a fucking strain of bone marrow. East Coast powerhouse. From the New York, a fabulous walk. Carter, it is fucking Friday, the fucking tenth. I'll give you a hundred bucks and I'll take out the Denny Harness if you slide that 75-foot handrail. I especially like the flip of the board. Welcome to another episode of Wheel Bite, coming to you live from San Francisco, California, in the heart of Noe Valley. I am host one of two, Mr. Ted Theodore Mater. We are going to be discussing the great, the legendary Hubba Hideout, one of San Francisco's most notorious spots. So to kick things off, going to list a few of our favorite tricks ever done down hubba and mine if i had to pick two just because two of what videos they came out of whose part they were in and how they were filmed and executed and funny enough they're both flip in to grind tricks but for me it's a tie between eric ellington doing his uh, big spin nose slide in misled youth just the way he like does it so quick and like catches it and even does like a little layback so fucking classically eric ellington that classic gangster style yeah but like kind of sketchy too like the layback almost doesn't look like it was planned he just like sort of relied on it to make it through but it's so cool because that's how his style always is and i respect the shit out of that he doesn't make everything look perfect and then the second one is Danny Garcia doing the nollie flip nose slide. I mean, just the way it was filmed in photosynthesis on like the 16 millimeter film and how he just like catches it so casually and where the beat is in the song. It, it's just so proper and fitting. Two awesome tricks. Two of my favorites. Jay Green here. Hubba Hideout has a very special place in my heart. That's that's for sure. I'm going to go with a whole bag of tricks as my favorite. I mean, I'm going to start off with Steve Olsen and just the whole onslaught that he laid down on Hubba. There was the front 180-5-0 shove it both ways. He shoved it out of it both ways which is completely fucked. The back 180, 5-0, switch 180. Brian Anderson, back tail, big spin out. I think the big spin out of that was super fucked. Clyde Singleton 
half cab fakie back tail that is super crazy to pop that like to go up and pop fakie up to that thing i always thought that looked sick and then jerry hasu nolly back 5-0 revert out same effect there like nollying or faking up to a back truck or back tail trick seemed really difficult because that thing is super fucking high yeah the height of that thing and how gargantuan it is i think jason dill said in that on documentary about hubba getting up there was only like two percent of it it was yeah he says it's two percent of the trick because once you're on top of it you have to get out of this fucking massive drop yeah ridiculous shot out actually that's a good uh reminder uh honorable mention jason dill's nolly frontside 180 switch 50 50 as a favorite also i just listed like nine tricks but whatever you, you definitely have your insight on Hubba Hideout, but I mean, you are from here. So did you ever go there back in the day to skate it at all? We certainly did. Uh, we didn't, I think a few of us tried to no slide it maybe. It was, it's so fucking high. It was like, I'm, uh, I'm like 5'8", and I haven't grown since I was like 16, so... The thing was, like, up to my chest, like, for real. We would go there, you know, smoke weed, hang out, and stare at it, just in awe, basically. So, yeah, we're going to get into Hubba today on a more, not, like, necessarily counting down, like, the greatest things to ever happen there, but we want to talk about the culture that sort of surrounds Hubba Hideout and how skaters were sort of able to really make a name for themselves and kind of shift the scope of their careers by stepping to Hubba. And I think that's one of the interesting things about that spot is like everyone who went there sort of brought their own flavor to the spot. And if you were able to get down it doing something special and super gnarly, then you were going to be known throughout all of skateboarding. It was going to shift how people viewed you as a professional skater. It was the ultimate proving ground. Yeah, absolutely. More so than, say, like a plaza spot like Love Park or EMB. I mean, that's not to say that those weren't proving grounds, because they totally were, but I think Hubba was a different story. You know, it's something so big and so gnarly that just getting down it alone was proof that you were on some other level. Obviously, all sorts of like squeebs are going to go to love and EMB because it's the place to be. And they might be good enough to like rip the bricks, but you know, you can't fake it at Hubba. Yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) There's there's no no question. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to begin this with a quote from Lenny Kirk. And he's talking about Hubba and what it meant to go there. And he says, Ah, yes, Hubba hideout. Our hideout, our secret spot. When I heard someone was at Hubba, I'd rush over to see exactly what they were getting done. It was a challengeable spot to all. I had fun there. The height of the ledge, the slight feeling of fear skating it, the brick landing, hearing that so-and-so did this down Hubba today. 
It was a culture in of itself. We'd go there to smoke blunts. Some people would play CeeLo with dice. Others drank 40s, all the way from the business people at EMB. But you'd go over there and get high and just stare at the ledge. It would start taunting you, saying that you couldn't handle it. You'd have to prove yourself not only to the ledge, but to the skaters, filmers, magazines, and videos. That's what Hubba was. But it's a just an interesting point because Hubba is one of the few spots that is sort of like that. You know, Wallenberg is another, and Carlsbad to name a couple. But if you did something over Hubba, it was definitely going to shift you as a skater. And I mean, even if you go back to the beginning. So the beginning of Hubba Hideout was due to that area up there was where everyone from San Francisco would go to do drugs in between sessions. They'd go there to smoke weed, drink 40s, smoke crack, do all sorts of gnarly shit because it was kind of hidden away from public eye. And then one day after getting fucked up up there, apparently Mike Carroll went and ollied the first set of stairs and then rail slid the hubba and everyone just flipped out because they hadn't really ever considered skating it like that. Fast forward a little later, Wade Spire gets the first published photo in a magazine of him. Backside crooks. Yeah, backside crooks. I couldn't remember if it was a nose grinder or a crooked grind. But yeah, he does a... Did it sick too. Yeah, that photo is classic, man. That is a classic fucking photo. It's actually... um, San Francisco has a youth organization, the San Francisco Skate Club, and they have a handful of photos hanging up inside the skate club, and that's one of them, the Wade Spire backside crook at Hubba Hideout. But it's only right that Carol had the first licks. Oh, absolutely. And it's almost even more special that it was just like, it's some like story like that. Yeah, it wasn't like like he went there to film. Right, that they were just like... It was hella organic like that. Like they were just kicking it, bullshitting, and that's how that happened. I can imagine all those kids were so excited to like come back in the coming days and be like, I'm going to try this down it. I'm going to try that down it. Like I would have been so stoked. You just found a new spot. If you don't know, Hubba Hideout is across the street basically from Embarcadero. It's like it's like right there. So they had this they're skating the plaza all day long and they had this wild ridiculous spot just literally like yards behind it. And they took them a minute to discover it. And I mean think of how revolutionary even finding something like that in the late 80s was. And therefore being able to try skating it. Because skating wasn't going that big Mm -hmm. at 1989. I mean, people were revolutionizing what skateboarding would become at that point. But no one was getting on top of huge hubbas out there like that. And just doing it so frequently. You know, after someone did it once, that kind of showed everyone like, oh, you can step up and do this too if you want. It's a cool timeline to pay attention to hubba for that reason also is that at the time that carol's finding it i mean you're absolutely right nothing gnarly is gonna go down it because of where skateboarding is it's not quite there yet but you can watch hubba and you can watch skateboard progress on 
Hubba Hideout and through Hubba Hideout. Yeah. And I mean, one of the big first things I think that was like seen by all down at other than Wade Spires, Crooked Grind, but like Rick Howard had the front side no front slide, nose slide and questionable. And I'm guessing that's the point where like all of skateboarding just was like, holy shit, this is a thing. Because Pat Duffy, I don't think had anything down it until virtual reality. Don't quote me on that, though. I can't remember if that is in his questionable part or his Deer Deck has footage. some early, like, really early footage there. Really? S- yeah, Shit. switch tail. Uh, what year is that? Duffy, I'm not sure what year it is. Yeah. But, I mean, those guys were all going down this thing at a time where it just didn't seem fathomable that skating could get that big, but this was the beginning of that proof that yeah, skating's going to get that big, if not bigger in the sentence of the size of everything that people are going to be hitting. One thing we should have mentioned earlier too, when talking about Hubba's party induced beginnings is that the term Hubba in of itself was not a family-friendly term. In fact, hubba is slang for fucking crack rocks. Hubba rocks, yes. If you're not familiar with such slang and terminology, I highly suggest listening to some E-40 or (laughs) Mac Dre, and you'll figure out what hubba hubba rocks are. But yeah, it was was named after the crack smoking that went down in that little park area which makes it all that much more ridiculous because like hubba is a all too familiar term within the world of skateboarding now right it's 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 the universal i know that's great that's super great it's the universal term for a ledge down some stairs it should also be noted that the bums fucking ruled that spot oh yeah they ruled it and they kind of dictated what happened over there a lot of sketchy shit happened at hubba well there's that um that clip in ftc3 where the like old definitely cracked out homeless lady is like swinging at the camera guy and telling him to get the fuck out of there because she's trying to sleep while they're skating hubba and that's so fucking scary <laughs> and then eventually pulls out some kind of shiesty ass knife i'm oh, pretty does sure she? yeah <laughs> i never noticed that before but yeah that shit is intense like the bums definitely ruled that place and they would tell you if you weren't gonna skate it that day which kind of adds more to its culture like yeah, it's a spot that came from crack rocks and drug use and then was ruled by the bums who were going to say whether or not you were allowed to skate there. So think about this. People have heard about the spot and think about, so I hear like the story of Steve Olson where he like literally drove hours to go to Hubba Hideout. It was a a spot they were seeking. It wasn't like, oh, let's just go to SF and film and skate around. See what we they get. were going to fucking hub a hideout and trying to get some tricks. So 
they get to SF and all of a sudden they show up to this spot that is just like ruled with bums. These aren't locals. Like he's mm-hmm. not a local from the city and he shows up and it's just completely littered and overtaken with crack smoking bums. And he's like, well, fuck, like this is where I have to try and skate and like get tricks, like and pull out our video camera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, he did step to it in a big, big way. Absolutely. Like right away. And that was pretty early in his career, too. Like, I would say after that, people started to probably take him very seriously. I think that's still probably what people know him most for, actually, is those really early tricks down Hubba. And he did it how, like, LeVar and a certain other few people did. Like, he went there, and in a session or in a couple-day trip or whatever, he put down, like, a handful of tricks. You know what I mean? He he wasn't just, like, went there, did his one or two piece and was done. He kind of put the fucking hammer down. Well, I think it's kind of fascinating, too. Um, the story behind it is apparently that he drove up to... San Francisco, and I, he tried it, or he was skating somewhere else, and he jacked <laughs> up his right. leg. That's right. And he wasn't even sure that he was going to be able to skate. And, and he was magically healed. Yeah, the next morning, he apparently he slept in a car, like shitty, <laughs> and then woke up the next day, like, feeling completely better. That's right. And then stepped to Hubba. And after that, like, Steve Olson was one was of the Steve fucking... Steve Olson. Yeah, he was the crazy monk. He was a legend after that. You say that he's remembered for his tricks down Hubba, but the other thing that I think he's equally remembered for is skating to that fucking Gangstar song. <laughs> that above the clouds, I guarantee you about like 70% of people our age got into that song because he skated to it in the fucking shorties video. <laughs> Salute on that one. I mean, that is like one of their best songs. So speaking of skaters who kind of got their... I don't know, not start or even necessarily a name because people already knew who Steve Olson was. He's already a sponsored skater and all that. But as far as, I guess, just, I don't know, kind of like what Lenny said, going around and like, oh, so-and-so did this on it, so-and-so did that, kind of the gossip pipeline of the industry was B.A. He had a, a ton of tricks, a ton of classic beautiful powerful ba tricks Mm -hmm. and he skated it early on differently than other people too he had a couple runs from the top to the bottom which were super dope yeah i was about to say i think it's in modus operandi where he has like a line where he goes over both sets at hubba front tail and front smith 180 out yes and yes that's one of them but like the fact too that he was just able to step to it with lines is fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, nobody was really doing that. And at that point, that was like a few years into his career when he was doing that. One of the things that even got him on Toy Machine in the first place was that he bicked his head and did a front blunt on Hubba. And what really trips me out about that is he did that front blunt. And as far as I know, it had already been done by Carl Shipman. But no one fucking talks about Carl Shipman doing it anymore. Like, even though he might have done it first, which I'm pretty sure he did, everyone remembers Brian Anderson doing it because more people 
have seen Welcome to Hell than probably any bit of Carl Shipman footage ever, which is unfortunate because Shipman was a ripper. And at the same time, the story of how that is what like got Ed Templeton and Jamie Thomas to solidify their choice to put him on the team, you know, that is such a huge deal. He did this blunt slide with a bicked head, looking like some fucking psychotic criminal just killing the game. Well, he looked crazy on it because he's tall as fuck. That too. too. So he looked his like his still photos. I mean, all his footage looks super amazing, but like the still photos of BA on Hubba because he's already six foot plus were just crazy looking. Should also be noted he is one of the nicest pros you'll ever meet. Oh, absolutely. Very friendly guy. Hell yeah. Which is funny because the flip side of Brian Anderson, who also killed Hubba at the same time period, was Brad Staba. Uh, as some like to refer to him, skateboarding's favorite dickhead. <laughs> uh, not to keep going back to the spot uh, history, but uh, speaking of BA hitting it from the top, it should be noted that Hubba was a bridge kind of sorts. Oh, yeah. The whole spot was kind of like a walkway bridge. So starting up top, there is like a huge drop on one side, on uh, the side that Costin nose blended. Right. And even from the top, even more so. So there's that clip of Joe Valdez ollieing over the boards and manualing down the scary side with with the huge drop which is completely out of his mind is probably one of the sketchiest things ever done on a skateboard yeah and i mean that clip is fantastic simply because he chose to skate it a different way yeah and Early that's, on, too. Yeah, that's fantastic. He looked at that spot 100% different than most of the other skaters whose careers were made from that spot. And he found a different way to skate it that allowed him to stand out and still be impressive. And, I mean, that clip in Welcome to Hell, pretty sure that's, like, one of the first big things he was ever involved in. I mean, granted, that's his only clip, but it threw him into the spotlight there for a second and people were all questioning who that guy was that was crazy enough to fucking he, manual right. down hubba he definitely made a reputation after that yeah and i mean he's still kind of known as the guy who does crazy fast narrow ledge tricks that's why the dime glory challenge has the joe valdez challenge that's which right. is super fucking funny because even when they created that challenge joe valdez had kind of like not vanished, but he was a more obscure name to just pull out of the fucking hat of who you wanted to model your skate career after. Let's get into, you want to go into Lenny a little? I do want to talk about the whole alien workshop movement at Hubba because in the on documentary, one of the interesting things I found was that Carol says that he thought for a while stuff was getting stale Mm -hmm. at Hubba. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe that's true because maybe everyone was like tapped out of the basic tricks that you could pull. Absolutely. The K grinds, the no slides, the back five O's, the the backsmiths. Yeah. Right. Your kind of just staples were kind of done at 
that point. He specifically states in the documentary that he was tired of everyone doing a Smith grind down it, huh. which is funny because he totally did a Smith grind down it. That's great. Um, but yeah, he did the Smith grind and all these other people did Smith grinds. And then you have people like Fred Gall and Lenny Kirk and Josh Kalis. And like, let's start with Fred Gall. Yeah. Fred Gall flew out from the East Coast to just hit Hubba and fuck it up. And he did. And he, oh God, he just did like five or six tricks down. I can't even remember what all of them were. Switch crooks. I was going to say, most of them are switch. I do know that much because that's where I feel like the he game opened up. He did a switch frontside 5 Yeah. That one was a, the cover, right? Yeah. The switch front right. 5 Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like He opened up the door again for people to be like, oh, Fred Gall just did all this other crazy shit. He's not even from here. He flew out from fucking New Jersey to handle business. It was on after that. Yeah. Then you have people like Lenny Kirk and Josh Kalis who are also on Alien Workshop. They're living together. They're skating together all the time and pushing one another. And they're going to Hubba all the time. Like That's why we use that Lenny quote because he spent a good amount of time there. And like Kalis did the switch back tail down it, which is fucking incredible. I love the photo of that too that came with it. And then Lenny Kirk was doing like he did the switch front or no switch back five oh. And he did well he did a shitload of stuff on it. He did the switch back five oh, he did the front lip to fakie, and then he did the switch front lip to fakie. And he did the switch backside 180-5-0. I give it up to Lenny because I love that he verbalized and actually kind of addressed what everyone else was maybe feeling about Hubba. He was the one to kind of think whether he said it at the time or not. But he definitely was like there was an air of competition to it almost. Mm -hmm. There was an air of like... I want to be the first one to do this and I want to be the one to do the gnarliest or I want to do the most down it. People were coming out and kind of showing out out of this. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a thing in skateboarding altogether, this unspoken competition, first one to do this at a spot culture. And Lenny was the type of skater too who he's addressing that competition, but he's still just doing Lenny. There's no, like, him trying to ham it up for the sake of competition. There's no him having a crazy ego. He's just being who he is. I love the way his his skate brain works. The do everything, be able to do everything, regular and switch. Well, that's what I was about to bring up. Like, the fact that he said in an interview that he did everything, both regular and switch, and, like, naturally half the time they would only use certain ones, but he wanted to do it to see like which one would look better and just to see if he could do it both regular and switch, which is fucking insane. The fact too, that he did that huge handrail at Powell Bart station, just the thought that he did it both regular and switch is fucking stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Like doing it regular seems like it was hard enough (laughs) doing it. Switch what the fuck are you thinking? But I just think that trio of alien workshop guys, like they really 
brought Hubba to another level. And then all of a sudden you have this era where everyone is doing the craziest shit down it that they can think of. Like, you know, Gershon Mosley had a bunch of cool stuff down there. And then fucking... Well, that photo of Josh Kalis doing the switchback tail mm -hmm. has to be one of my favorites. Yeah, that's such a fucking crisp photo. And just the fact, too, that... I mean, I don't always think of Kalis either as, like, the guy who skates big shit. I think of him more as a really techie skater. And, I mean, every now and then he'd do the big things like the tray flip over the trash can and, like, switch backside flip over a couple trash cans. And that's all really crazy, but the fact that he's still able to step to a huge spot like Hubba just kind of proves his versatility. But while you have these guys coming from, you know, they were all coming from different locations at that point, Fred Gall coming from Jersey, Lenny Kirk from... SoCal and before that North Carolina, Kayla's coming from all over. You also had like a few locals who were ripping Hubba on the regular and most notable is the fucking McBride brothers. Yeah, I would say Lavar. If you had to crown a champion of a spot, Lavar has a good a good shot in my book at being the champion of Hubba Hideout. He championed a few classic Frisco spots because I would say him and Marcus were killing the pier too, obviously. Marcus, more, Marcus was more the pier and LeVar was a like a little before that. Mm -hmm. um, so he, yeah, I just, I always loved seeing in video parts when someone, like I said earlier, kind of just puts a hurting on a spot and kind of just goes in and, and flexes all their tricks, seeing them do everything regular and switch, which is what LeVar did in trilogy. Essentially mm -hmm. he does the nose grind revert, switch nose grind revert, switch back five Oh switch crooks, all of it. He does a handful of them regular and switch. And I just always loved seeing that. And it's home court advantage there too. Uh, LeVar, or I'm sorry, Marcus didn't have as many tricks as LeVar did down him, but he was, I want to say, very early in flipping into That's... a trick on Hubba. He heel flipped backside 50 50 it. I question he might have been the was that first. before or after duffy's kickflip nose slide? Oh, shit. no, Duffy, I think, came first. That was probably first because. That's in trilogy that Marcus McBride does the heel flip 50-50. And by then you're in like 96, 97. The Duffy footage is older. You can just tell like by how the video looks. But he was definitely one of the first to flex that whole concept. And I think a heel flip back 50-50 is such a solid trick down there. Actually, that's one of my favorite tricks it's done down Also, Hubba. it's only like a, I want to say, I think Hubba was a seven stair. Mm -hmm. And it was so high that you didn't grind or slide on the ledge for very long. So, like, doing a flip trick into it was even crazier because you're just, you have to pop the flip trick so fucking high and then you're kind of just like on it for a second. So for him to do a heel flip 50-50 means that he had to pop that heel flip so fucking high up there. 
And then the flip into grind game really took a crazy turn way later down the road. Um, one other thing within the history of Hubba that one must note is that in the early 2000s, they knobbed it. And then it became unknobbed, and there was a sort of resurgence of Hubba Hideout. After that happened, you had a series of people who had grown up watching Hubba, seeing all their favorite pros and videos, doing the craziest shit down it, and now they were going to step to it with a more modern flavor. And two of the big ones that come to mind are Tommy Wisdom did a switch flip 5-0. Switch heel 5-0. Oh, switch heel 5-0. Yeah. My bad. Shout out to Boston legend, though, Tommy Wisdom, because... Love to see uh, that Massachusetts turf getting repped in San Francisco. And then the other guy was Andrew Potts. Andrew Pot. Pot. <laughs> Andrew Potts. Pot with the hard flip back nose grind, wearing the most wild fucking triple XL white tee ever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, those two tricks are. Oh, and kind Tori of Pudwell. Un- Tori Pudwell did Nolly Heel Crooks. Oh, shit. Right around that same time, actually. So, yeah, here you have, like, three young, up-and-coming heavy hitters who all step to Hubba in such a monster way. It's fucking insane that those tricks were even able to be done on Hubba Hideout. Because yeah, they ended up so having tough. a little right in that kind of golden spot where it was uncapped somehow. They ended up having a contest there actually and a couple of those tricks that we just mentioned went down at the contest i think the tommy wisdom switch heel 50 or switch heel 50 50 happened at one of those but yeah it's really cool to see as someone who uh, lived in san francisco grew, grew up in san francisco it's totally hubba still had its mystique and it was like you know you'd hear through the pipeline oh it's it's uncapped so and so did this and that so it was cool to see some of the younger kids who, you know, were a generation removed get to have their licks at Hubba, and they did not disappoint at all. No, they kept that legacy going for sure. Um, and, I mean, just the fact that some people have been able to go that big on Hubba, it's a real testament to what their abilities were, and that's like... I mean, ultimately, that's what we've been talking about is how doing so much huge shit down this spot legitimized your career that much more. One of the people I think of who it helped legitimize his career, but it didn't define his career was Jeremy Ray. I mean, you have that whole chunk of his part in Secondhand Smoke, which is one of his biggest parts to date. And at that point... That and the color video were his two biggest things. But here he is now. He's gone from having first part in the color video to last part in the plan B video after everyone has left for girl and chocolate. And one of the first things you see other than like this monster line at Carlsbad is this fucking series of huge bangers down Hubba Hideout. He brought his his own Jeremy Rayness to it, which is is the dopest thing you can do at a spot like Hubba is put your personal gnarliness 
to show, I guess. Right. So I always think of his front side 270 lip slide down it yeah. as like such as everyone knows Jeremy Ray front threes, right? That's kind of his thing. And I always love that he did an unconventional trick on Hubba, but it was so him. Right. And yeah, he was able to bring his own flavor to the table, which is what makes certain skaters' time at Hubba far more memorable. And the one that immediately comes to mind is Carl Watson. I mean, Carl is a local legend around here and gets a lot of respect for the fact that he is one of the most OG to ever do it, and he still stays in San Francisco and reps the home turf. The style master, the ultimate mic drop on Hubba Hideout. Yeah, and he did the... God, I'm going to have to rely on you to actually explain what the trick is. I just call it a pretzel slide because that's... front side, nose slide, 270 out, the opposite way. Right. And that's the thing, like, he has that pretzel style that people refer to where his like legs get all entangled and he's doing all these weird twists and maneuvering things to my knowledge that is the only thing i can remember seeing him do on hubba hideout and he totally just fucking nailed it talking about doing something like catering to you know your own personal trick selection or style he fucking just nailed that and still to this day probably has the most legendary and memorable trick down it and possibly his only trick down it yeah and the thing about him bringing that flavor and that like pretzel style to hubba you know that earned him the reputation of that style you know like he had a board with a fucking pretzel graphic on it and part of that is due to that trick down hubba for me though the best part about carl's crazy nose slide 270 the other way pretzel grind thing what i love about it is that the bail to that trick was in the trans world video modus operandi and the make was in the third ftc video it's only right that's also a rather carl move too like the bail is in a video that definitely was seen by way more people than ftc3 was at the time like that was just a local shop video and modus operandi was advertised in a magazine that ships globally Everyone who sees that gets this taste of what could have been a gnarly trick. But in order to see it, you had to have this shop video from San Francisco. Hey, don't sleep on FTC3 now. Oh, I don't. I I love FTC3. Lenny Kirk, speaking of the man, has the first part in it. And that's my probably top three all-time favorite skate parts ever. There's also a... Danny Gonzalez part in that video. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Prescott part, rest in peace. Hell yeah, Trevor Prescott. Sean Connolly, yeah. Bart Jones. There's montages with like Chris Pastris, Frank Gerwer. It's the best Matt video Fields. ever. It's a fucking good one, man. So if y'all haven't seen Carl's pretzel grind in the video it actually comes from, go out to YouTube or eBay or The Secret Tape 
and cop FTC three. Or if they are still in stock, go to FTC and buy their DVD box set because that well, they probably have them online as well. Or they have them online because we are in the age of the internet. But when it comes down to the people who truly ruled Hubba with an iron fist, it really comes down to two. And the first one is weird because he only had one trick down it, but it was the mother of all tricks at the time. And that's Eric Costin. I don't want to say he ruled it with an iron fist. Ruling it to me is more like the dudes who killed it with a bunch of tricks, but I see what you're saying, and he definitely, at that time and when that trick was done... I was going to say, whenever you mention to people Hubba Hideout and ask them what like they think the best thing down it was... I feel like nine times out of ten, they say the back nose blunt that Costin did. I mean, that photo is a classic. The footage of it, equally as ridiculous because it was, first of all, his ender in a chocolate video, and they had it in like slow-mo set to the soundtrack from The Fucking Omen. Yeah. And that trick, I mean, I don't even think people... We're trying that. He just always has had a great back nose blunt. His back nose blunt skills, the fact, too, that he did it at Bricktown, uh, he did some unreal shit with back nose blunts. That side is the sketchy-ass side, too. Yeah. Especially doing a trick where you're so much on top of the ledge and you could basically slip any which way. That added to the already gnarliness of getting up on a back nose blunt on hubba and i love too that the cover of the magazine edited out all the graffiti if you ever look at the raw photo yeah, there's all this graffiti right. that says stuff about like cocks and shit like that but it's super ridiculous and you know again really allows uh hubba's grime and grit to shine through in that one photo, you see how high up it is. You see the trick that he's pulling and you see this rather vulgar graffiti. That's Hubba in a nutshell right there. That's the ultimate experience in one trick. And that's why, I mean, I get why you say he didn't rule it with an iron fist because he wasn't like there all the time. He didn't throw a ton of shit down it. I, I mean, I get it, but I have to just disagree because that trick is arguably one of the most important, if not the most important trick to ever go down at Hubba. It got, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely got people talking about Hubba a lot more again. I also think, too, though, that was the shift in Costin's career. Like, Costin already had I an amazing certainly career. certainly agree with that, But yeah. after that, he went from really amazing fucking pro to legend status. With that one clip. After that, I think rem I remember thinking every Costin part I was gonna see was then on gonna have like a ridiculous ender. Absolutely. And that's the kind of the beginning of a chunk of time for him where he was just killing the it. Costin all the Costin era. Yeah, for real. That was the first part of it. There was the chocolate tour, then Menek Mahdi, then yeah, right. And then, and then chomp on this. And that was all within a time period of about four years. 
I mean, it was just the slaughtering of Eric Costin. Like, he was just out there killing it. And, oh, he also won the X Games in that time period. We should throw that in the mix. That may not be a video. It might not be a video part, but he was, like, winning these contests and putting out these banging video parts. You know, that's fucking amazing. He became a legend after that. That was just the beginning of that era. But if we're going to talk about who truly did rule Hubba Hideout with an iron fist, like the ultimate number one, I mean, we have to give it up to the innovator and creator of the spot, Mike Carroll. Like, here you have a guy who, he was the first one to truly do anything down the spot. He did a number of things that were of the Carroll flavor, he got a cover on there, and then he even went back in the Resurgence era to get something super crazy and extremely Mike Carroll and something that had never been done down Hubba Hideout. Frontside Feeble. Yeah. He did a front feeble in the Lakai video, which was almost 20 years after he first skated that spot and like helped create it and make it what it would become. I mean, he just did everything amazing down that and did it early on. And I mean, just the fact, too, that he had a cover with a truly Mike Carroll trick like that long ago, that is alone like something that sets him aside from all the other people who stepped to it. So speaking on Carroll, it's not really the necessarily the tricks that may have been done but more the the full circle lifespan that he kind of created with hubba he was the first one to be there he did it very organically no cameras around just on some kind of like hype you know and then to bring it back to the front side feeble where he may have actually had one of the last licks or like tricks in a video necessarily on hubba and that's the thing about it like even at the end there he was still doing new things down hubba and was able to put them in videos that were going to be you know seen around the world and the lakai video obviously was seen by just about everybody but the fact that even all those years later he's still able to pull that off is truly impressive and shows that not only is he still an impressive skater all these years later, but he still is true to his roots and like everything that has helped build him up as the legend of Mike Carroll. I mean, Hubba played a part in that as much as everything else he's done is in his career. But I mean, obviously Hubba helped like it did with all these other skaters it helped validate the legend of Mike Carroll. And I mean, that's why we're here now talking about all these people. Because, yeah, they all stepped to this thing, and they all brought their own unique style and idea to it. They were all able to use Hubba as a vehicle, essentially. Exactly. You know, Hubba helped elevate these people, which is a funny thing to say, knowing that Hubba means crack. (laughs) It helped, and, but it and helped elevate them. just as much as it did for these skaters' careers. It also did for skateboarding as well, pushing it forward 
and having a cool kind of centralized spot where everyone could visit from around the world. The locals hit it, the people traveling from wherever came and hit it. And it was just this cool benchmark that you got to put your personal stamp on. And if you did, you know, the results were going to be really good and be in your favor because it showed that you were a serious skater and you were able to step to something that so many others had also stepped to, but bring your own unique style to the spot. And that's why Hubba goes down as one of the greatest spots in history and is still something that is talked about, you know, 10, maybe a little less than 10 years after it was destroyed. 